our purpose in life is to be here and glorify God for whatever time he has for us. And maybe the timing is different than we had planned, but our purpose hasn't changed. Yeah, It's still ours to glorify God with whatever time he gives us. And so we committed to each other that that's what we were going to do. And we prayed right then and there in front of the oncologist, um, who I don't believe was a Christian, that God would give us the strength to do that and that he would use this for his glory in whatever way he saw fit. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Isaiah 61.3, beauty for ashes. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Today, Jennifer Bratton joins us. Jennifer, one time you lived here in Memphis. You now reside in Alabama. I do. lived in Memphis for 14 years, but have been in the Birmingham area since 2007. So both are kind of home. I understand that you are a slowly recovering type A control freak who loves a good spreadsheet and a day planner. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Absolutely. That is very accurate. I had a friend uh, help write that description. Um, So, yes, uh, control freak. In fact, I've thought about writing some devotional series, and my first one will be devotions for control freaks. (laughs) I I love that. Well, you graduated from Union University with a degree in communications. You've worked in the corporate real estate for over 25 years, currently hold a key leadership position as director of corporate facilities for a large financial services company. I'm assuming they're in Alabama. Yes, based in um, Alabama, but throughout the southeast, so Texas to Florida. Do you travel sometimes? Travel quite a bit. Do you really? Yes. You've got two wonderful children. Yes. Emma and Ben. Mm Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about him and Ben. But let's just jump in here and tell me a little bit about where did you grow up? Tell me about your family. I grew up in the southern part of Illinois, um, which is the beautiful part of Illinois. So um, lots of rolling hills Cairo, and farms. in that area? Um, about 45 minutes north of Cairo. Yes, okay. absolutely. Yeah. So um, a part of Illinois called Lick Creek. So grew up on the family farm that uh, my husband, Mike, used to call the Ponderosa. <laughs> um, and you know, it was one of those places where we were surrounded by family. Grew up in a Christian family that was always in church. Um, you know, my grandparents had the farm and very much wanted to use it to glorify God. And so we were constantly having church events out at the farm. Uh, wow. The youth group, I think, lived at the farm, you know, when I was growing up. I thought you know, it was cool to hang out with all the cool college and high school kids there. Wow. And so just grew up in a, a beautiful Christian family, always in church. And I'm so thankful for that. What a heritage. Amazing heritage. Rich, yes. deep heritage in the faith. Okay, what were some of your dreams? A little girl has these dreams. What were some of yours? Oh, my goodness. For a while, I thought I was going to be the next Jane Pauley, so I'm dating myself. Um, you know, I thought I was going to be on TV and do all these cool interviews and um, you know, interview famous people, and, and that was going to be my calling. Um, so that was why I headed into communications. Also dabbled in music a little bit, and so that actually led me into radio. I didn't know you had a radio background. A little bit, yes. Yeah. So um, I took radio in college, and one of my professors asked me if I had ever worked in radio before, and I had not. And he said, well, I have a friend who owns a station that's looking for somebody. Are you interested? So college student working in radio, how cool is that, you know, to pay the bills? So I did that for a while, and that's actually where Mike and I met. Um, So I was interning. You got to watch out for those interns um, at a radio station that he was working at. Uh, That was my next question. How did you meet Mike Bratton? Yeah, that was it. (laughs) Um, I walked into a studio to train, and and he was doing the show um, in front of me. 
that's how we met. We ended up doing a morning show together for uh, quite a while, and he proposed to me on the air. Did he really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Were you expecting that? Was it a surprise? Or? I, well, it wasn't a surprise that he proposed. Sure. Yeah. It was a surprise that he proposed that day. The way he did it. Uh, we mentioned Ben and Emma. Tell me mm-hmm. about the kids. Yeah, so Emma is about to be a junior. She majors in musical theater, so she has that uh, acting bug, that, you know, like her father did. It's in the DNA. It, again, and it's a vo- voice she sings beautifully. Wow. Um, and so she's pursuing that. And then Ben is 15. He is a high school sophomore. He is um, very much into, has one of those dual brains where he loves art. He loves sketching and drawing, but he also loves science and computers. Anxious to see how that culminates in what he's interested in. He's expressed some interest in concept art, video game design, architecture. <laughs> Who knows where it's going to go? It's unlimited. Yeah. Right, right. When did you find out the news that Mike had cancer? Yeah. Um, he actually, in 2015, had started having some pain in his hip. And he had been working out, doing CrossFit, and we kind of thought, oh, he's just injured himself somehow. After a few months, it just wasn't getting any better, and he went to the doctor to get that checked out, realized he had to have hip surgery. But after that hip surgery, the pain never really went away completely. They sent him to a pain management specialist. It was at that appointment with the pain management specialist um, where they ran multiple scans. A very observant radiologist just happened to get, you know, happened to. I don't really believe things just happened to, but um, he happened to see an enlarged lymph node on the edge of a scan. And they asked us to come back to the hospital for more tests. And before we left that day, this was June of 2015, we learned he had a large tumor in his kidney. Wow. Uh, That's pretty devastating news. It was devastating news. Obviously not something you have, you know, you ask about little girls and their dreams. That's not anything you ever plan to happen in your life. But at the same time, we felt peace about it. We knew who was in control. I remember a conversation with the doctor before we left that day that this is taken us by surprise, but it hasn't surprised our God, and we're trusting him with the next step. And the doctor's diagnosis at that point, I mean, was there a percentage we could actually see recovery pretty nicely here or give you any hope at all? Yes. No, very hopeful at first. Um, At first that they thought it was a renal cell carcinoma tumor, which usually they said we can remove the kidney, might need a little bit of chemo, but it's very treatable. So we were hopeful that that's what would happen. But after the surgery to remove the, the kidney, we got the pathology reports back and found out it was a different type of cancer entirely um, and one that was more aggressive and had already progressed almost to stage four at that point. So we knew then that we were in for a pretty long battle. What was the determined treatment plan? At that point, he went in for some pretty aggressive chemo, did that for several months, actually had to stop it after a while because it was taking such a toll on his body. And Mike's a big guy, too. He was a big guy, six foot four. You know, even after having lost weight and doing CrossFit, he was still 270, you know. Solid. Solid guy, yes. Um, But the chemo had taken such a toll on his body, he could barely walk and and barely stand. And they got aggressive with it. I mean, it was an aggressive round of chemotherapy, but we had to stop it because he just couldn't tolerate it. But still, we were hopeful. Um, You know, and that seemed to take care of the cancer, but over the next few years, it just continued to metastasize and show up in other areas of its body. He had more surgeries, immunotherapy treatments, yeah. radiation, right. um, and it just became evident that, you know. Jennifer, when did the battle with cancer end for Mike? He died February 11th, 2018. Okay. I can't imagine experiencing something like this, but I've read some of your blogs, and we're going to talk about 
this journey that you've been on over a year now, yes. you know, since his passing, you sent out a, a message through a blog or, or something I got a hold of and I read and I said, wow, God is up to something in Jennifer Bratton's life. And I think it's a story that we need to share. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're here today. Uh, with the kids. That is big news, too, for the children. Uh, Talk about that process for the family. Yeah. You know, they were 19 and 14 when he died. So they had been seeing him, you know, progress through this illness for several years. And that's a hard thing, especially for a son, I think, to watch your dad go from being this, like you said, you know, big guy. And Mike was big, not just physically. He was he had a oh, big no. personality. Oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> Stop here and just talk a little bit about Mike. As you mentioned, his radio career, even here in town, I mean, he was on WRVR for a while. Right. Other stations, too. Kicks I think. 106. It kicks 106. Yeah. One of the things that some folks watching, listening, might remember Mike Bratton was that he played a very serious role in the Memphis Passion Play at Bellevue. He did. He was Caiaphas. Yes. He had an incredible acting ability, and it was a passion for his. He wanted to, Matter of fact, when we came back from the mission field on Guam, my youngest son was interested in learning about acting. Mm-hmm. Mike was doing this on Wednesday night class yes. at church, and I decided I would do it with him. And we had more fun with Mike oh, that's great. teaching this acting <laughs> class. He was so incredible, the way he worked with people, and as you well know that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. he just had a, a real unique gift, but... I really think it was his passion and love for Jesus. Yes. Oh, oh, by the way, he also worked at Love Worth Finding Ministries, where Adrian Rogers' radio and TV ministry is sent out all over the world. He did. He was a radio editor there for years. And he, he had a passion for the arts, but more so he had a passion for um, using the arts to tell people about Jesus. Yeah. And, and he really wanted to, to recapture that and use that as a tool. Um, and, and we're trying to carry on that legacy. Well, it's got to be exciting for you to see that duplicating through Emma's life, yes. you know, where she is in singing and also acting possibilities. The scripture says there's a time to mourn. Mm-hmm. How has God shown up in the Breton home during this time? Oh, wow. Do we have several hours? Yeah, here? let's take it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, you know, people ask me a lot of times, where have you gotten your strength, you know, through all of this? And, and obviously it comes from the Lord. I mean, we are, are weak. We cannot bear any grief like this on our own. Um, it is all him in us and at work in us. Um, but I did a lot of, uh, grieving in advance of his death, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, I am one of those people that hopes and prays for the best, but I'm pragmatic, so I prepare for the worst. Yeah. And so early on, even before it got to the point where we knew there was no further treatment, mm-hmm. I prayed and I said, you know, okay, God, I, this is obviously not anything that I had planned on, um, but you knew this was going to happen. You knew this was going to be part of our story. You knew this was going to be part of our life. And I'm just surrendering that to you. Yeah. And I'm just telling you, you have to have it to do with whatever you want to do with it. And that was so healing, just to lay that at his feet. Yeah. And um, he just showed up through the grief in all of that and that willingness to surrender that. Jennifer, when you and Mike both realized there wasn't going to be a a turnaround, Mm -hmm. that this was going to be the end through this cancer... What were some of your conversations together? How did Mike talk with you? How did he prepare you? What kind of words did he leave you with? Wow. So that last doctor's appointment where we were in the oncology office, and he basically said, there are some other things that we can try, but they're not going to prolong your life. 
um, obviously we were visibly, you know, upset and shaken and there were some tears shed. Um, but we looked at each other and we said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Our purpose in life is to be here and glorify God for whatever time he has for us. And maybe the timing is different than we had planned, but our purpose hasn't changed. Yeah. It's still ours to glorify God with whatever time he gives us. And so we committed to each other that that's what we were going to do. And we prayed right then and there in front of the oncologist, um, who I don't believe was a Christian, that God would give us the strength to do that and that he would use this for his glory in whatever way he saw fit. And did you notice things changing maybe in the atmosphere when you guys were together because of that prayer? Absolutely. Yeah. It it made you singularly focused on all this other stuff in life. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It kind of changes priorities, Absolutely. doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Jennifer, you said in a recent blog post, I believed the faithful promises of God, promises to strengthen me, Isaiah 41.10, sustain me, Psalm 3.5, to give me peace, Isaiah 26.3, to comfort me, Psalm 23.4, and to never leave or forsake me, Deuteronomy 31.8. And I had read the promise to people of Jerusalem contained in Isaiah 61.3 that there would be beauty, joy, and the garment of praise for mourning. I had quoted the verse and sang the words in worship, yet had never really considered what they meant. Mm -hmm. What have you discovered about those verses now, what they really mean? That beauty is Him. It's Jesus. You know, I'm ashamed to say that um, I didn't originally think that way. You know, when I considered the words in that verse, I was looking to that verse somehow as a a way to say, uh, or in my life to be manifested in, okay, you've had this great loss, you've paid your dues, Um, life's going to be easier for you from here on out, you know, whatever that looks like. But as I began to surrender back to him, that that mourning um, and and those feelings that I was feeling, loneliness and and just grief and heaviness, he just filled me up. And it, it just became so evident that he was the gift in all of that. And through all of this, I have developed such an a greater intimacy in my relationship with Jesus than I have ever had. Yeah. And, um, you know, I tell people that, you know, although obviously I, I would not have wanted or wished for my husband to die, at the same time, I wouldn't trade what it's done for my relationship with Jesus for anything. And I know where Mike is, and I know he wouldn't want to come back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did an interview recently with Gracia Burnham. I don't know if you know her or her family. They were missionaries in the Philippines in the, in the jungles for about 17 years. On their 18th anniversary, she and her husband were overtaken by militant Muslims mm-hmm. and carried into the jungles for over a year. Moved around. There was different firefights that tried to get them released. But in the end, after over a year, and they're separated from their three kids for that period of time, both of them were shot. She in the leg and her husband in the Mm. chest when he died there in the jungle. This happened back early 2000, but the whole interview, I just kept hearing this joy that was louder than the words that she was saying. And truly, that has to be something that only Jesus Christ can provide. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, And that's key. I I mean, like you said, it's just a joy that is it's almost too difficult to explain to somebody that that doesn't understand it. Um, I just cannot describe. I have this hunger for his word. Yeah. Um, I, I I have always, I mean, I was a Christian at eight, um, and, and I've always studied the Bible. You know, I've always been involved in church. Um, but my worship is just so much sweeter, you know, now than yeah. it used to be. And I just um, I have this love for him that, that, you know, I just haven't had in my life before. 
Jennifer, what kind of exchange or trade do you believe the promise in Isaiah 61 requires? You mentioned that also in your blog. Yes. Um, It's a surrender. It is an absolute surrender. You know, God, the Christian life is one of surrender. We have to die. We have to die to ourselves. We have to die to our sin, to our expectations. Um, And that doesn't mean, I think a lot of times we're scared at the idea of surrender and we think, oh, God's going to call me to do something drastic in the mission field or, or God's going to take someone, you know, important in my life and I have to surrender that. But it's also surrendering the, the broken, ugly things as well. Um, and, and that has been the key for me in all of this is just surrender day by day, yes. moment by moment, surrendering the good, the bad, everything, and just laying it at his feet. So when we give that back to him and allow him to use that in whatever way he will, then he brings joy back to us. Well, the, the process of turning those ashes over to him mm-hmm. and allowing him to do as he wills, did that happen pretty soon? It, it was a process. I mean, after initially after Mike died... Um, sort of in a fog, you know, you're you're just in this grief fog. Um, But at the same time, um, let me back up just a little bit. Before he died, um, as I knew that his final weeks were approaching, I felt compelled um, to write an obituary for him and a eulogy for him that reflected his big personality and who he was. Yeah. And I felt like God really gave me those, those words. And that was very healing for me. Um, in offering up that, you know, that grief and that sadness, he poured this into me. Um, and ever since then, it, it feels like the words won't stop. The words just continue to flow. So that has been part of that exchange as well. What does it practically look like for you to offer your brokenness as a sacrifice to God? Um, it's releasing expectations. Um, you know, that, that brokenness is a, a humbleness. Um, going back to what we said at the beginning, my need to control um, it's giving that up, right? Um, and also not limiting God. God is a big, big God, and I think so often we limit what He wants to do, um, whether it's in our brokenness and, and pain or, or whatever it's in, um, in our humanness. Um, but just not limiting Him and letting Him just have His way. Something else in Zephaniah three seventeen, the verse says, "He will take great delight in you. In His love, He will no longer rebuke you." but will rejoice over you with singing. Yes. I mean, sometimes you know, we don't get the picture of God singing yes. over us. Yeah. You know? It, that I mean, that blows me away that our our holy God sings over us. And, and you know, if you think about that picture of like a mother or a father singing a lullaby to their baby and just the pure love and joy yes. that they have yeah. for that yeah. child, yeah. that's the picture that I have in my mind when I read that ver- verse. And to think that God does that for me just blows me away. Jennifer, why do you think that God's people find it hard to believe that holy God actually delights in them? Mm. You know, I think a lot of times that it's because we have this picture of God and we we think of him as a a judge. Um, We think of his wrath. We think of him, um, you know, waiting to punish us if if we're disobedient. Um, And and there is, you know, obedience, disobedience has consequences, and that is obviously part of God's character. Um, But we, we lose the fact that he's our father. And what that father relationship is like, yeah. um, and it has to be both. Yeah. What are some of the words that you feel like describe you right now? Mm. Joyful, um, surrendered. Again, that keeps coming up. Surrendered, and, and not to say that I've 
figured all that out. That is a moment by moment lesson. Yeah. Um, but there's this desire in me to really surrender every moment. Yeah, I, I think that's so so critical because we we think, well, I prayed that prayer, God, that I gave it all to you, and, and but like you said, it's a moment. It's daily, right. continuing to offer that to Him. Absolutely. Yes. What do you say, Jennifer, to those listening who are mourning the death of a spouse or someone very close, maybe a child, but they just can't seem to find this joy that you're describing today? Get in the Word. God's Word has become so much more alive to me and real. I made a commitment at the first of the year to put away all the commentaries and all the books that I had been reading about what other people thought about God's Word and just daily studied and read the Bible and read it um, more systematically, reading whole books of the Bible and really um, you know, focusing in on that whole narrative. I spent a lot of time in Paul's epistles. Yes. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah, you know. good stuff, yeah. But um, I'm a big fan of Jen Welkin, Bible study teacher um, at the Village Church in Dallas, and she has this saying, I don't know if it's hers or if she stole it from somebody else, but she says, the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. And I find myself repeating that and, and finding that to be so true in my life. And, and if you think about it in terms of human relationships, it's true. Yeah. I mean, you love your spouse more and more the more intimately you know them. Mm-hmm. Well, the same is true of our relationship with Christ. And so the more we read his word, the more we know about him, the more deeply we fall in love with him, which gives us a, a hunger and a thirst for more of yes. his word. Yes. And it's just this cyclical, and there's not an end to it. There's never an end to it. And there's so many uh, distractions, you know, the cell phone activity, mm. busyness and stuff. It, it keeps us away from the word. Absolutely. That, yes. So I, I get up at 5 o'clock every morning. Um, and that's what I do. I, I immediately get into the Word and, and have my time of prayer and Bible study. Um, and just starting off the day like that is so grounding. Um, and unfortunately, what I find myself doing is, you know, 45 minutes, an hour later, I'm like, darn, I, I have to go to work. I, I have to get bent up for school. I, I want to keep, you know, yes. reading this. It's like I can't get enough. Yeah. Okay, you're a very busy lady. As I mentioned in the beginning, you've got this corporate position. It must keep you quite busy. You're yes. traveling. But there's this new place you're in right now that you sense God is wanting to open up. And you're blogging. Yes. You're sharing these stories from your heart. Tell me about this aspect. What do you feel like God's leading you to do now? Well, um, that's a good question. I'm kind of taking each step as it comes. Um, you know, like I said, I, I felt compelled um, to write a eulogy and obituary that honored Mike. And um, writing was not ever something that I ever pursued before um, or, or even would have said I had a passion for. But I, I just feel like since then I can't stop. Yeah. Um, and so every time I posted something on you know my social media outlets or something about what I felt God was teaching me, I would get a tremendous response from people that it touched them or that it helped them or asking for prayer and I kept having people approach me saying will you please write a book you know will will you come speak to my you know grief group or or whatever it was and um, finally I couldn't ignore that Um, and had some very good Christian friends and counselors that said you need to pursue this. God has a purpose yeah. in this. And I drug my feet because I am busy. And, and I thought, okay, God, how am I, I going to do this? <laughs> well, I was moved when I read your blog post and just started reading some of your story. I prayed for you and Mike during the time. I know I'm just one of many, many people who mm-hmm. prayed you through these times. 
we know each other from a distance, you mm-hmm. know, I, I knew Mike better, but I know that right now God is opening doors yes. and he's providing opportunities. So someone listening right now that might want to entertain your coming to share with their group, mm-hmm. you're open to this. Absolutely, yes. Um, there's a way on my website, uh, it's jenniferbratton.com, that you can contact me um, via email, and um, so we can connect. And I made a promise to God that, um, you know, God doesn't waste any of our suffering or our sorrow. Right. He has a purpose and a plan for all of it. And, and I promised him early on that, um, you know, despite, you know, time constraints or whatever else was going on in my life, that I would not uh, give up any opportunity to share, um, you know, what he's done in my life and his love. What is the verse in Corinthians that talks about when we've gone through hardship and pain, God takes that how he's comforted us yes. so that we're able to take that in turn and comfort others who are going through similar valleys and, and hardships. Absolutely. And and that's been one of the most humbling things as I've shared my story to see yeah, yeah. I, that, you know, God doesn't need to use us. I mean, he's all powerful, uh, you know, <laughs> but what a privilege um, that he does use us. Um, and that's so humbling and, and it's healing as well um, to see how you know, the things that he's spoken into my life that I can speak into the lives of others. And it's healing for me and healing for them. It's just beautiful. (laughs) Jennifer, this has been so awesome. Thank you so much for being so transparent and sharing your heart. How do we keep up with Jennifer Bratton and just the exploits and the ventures and the things that are going to be for the future. How do we keep in contact with you? mentioned the website. Website, jenniferbratton.com. I also have a Facebook page, Jennifer Bratton. Um, so that's very much a work in progress. I'm still exploring, um, you know, what all that's going to mean and still learning how to, to manage all of that. Um, but anything that I'm doing as far as um, speaking or writing, um, right. I'll be, you know, posting on those two uh, outlets. Well, I ask our friends to make sure you go to the website again, Jennifer Bratton, that's B-R-A-T-T-O-N.com. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. .com and, uh, and learn more. There's some wonderful blog posts there. You can connect. I'm sure there's something there that will really speak to your heart. Maybe you're going through a particular area that Jennifer's written about and can, can relate to through Scripture. So I hope you will tune in to that post. Jennifer, my goodness, my dear sister, thank you for what you're doing for Christ's kingdom for people who are hurting, for people to experience that they're in the life of pain can know that there is joy unexpressible. There is peace that you cannot explain. It comes from one source, and that's Jesus Christ. Yes, yes. Whatever the circumstance, whatever the season of life that you're in, whatever the question you have, Jesus is the answer. Wow. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.